It's a foot race, and there he goes! Touchdown! On the road to atonement, and McAfee bangs him out of bounds. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Colts Corner Podcast. I'm Antonio, also known as Colts Tailgate, and I'm here with Alex, also known as the Colts Talks. And there's a lot going on right now since we last recorded about, about what, two, three weeks ago. We're going to be more consistent. Um, and there's a lot going on right now between pre-draft stuff. And as we're recording this, it's the second day of the legal tampering period. It's March 14th. And as for the Colts, usually it's a really quiet first two days. Um, I was kind of expecting that this year, too. But they made some essential moves. We're going to talk about that later in the podcast. Um, because we're going to have a pretty action-packed show today. Um, we're going to have running back Zach Moss on for an interview at the end of the show. And for the first part of the podcast, we're just going to be discussing the combine and pre-draft stuff. And then we'll move into that free agency stuff, um, which has been really hectic the last two days. So the the combine was, what was the date to the combine? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was like, 10 days ago, a week ago. I'm not sure, but yeah, it was like a week ago. Like around a week ago from when we were recording this. And there was a lot of information about quarterbacks that we learned. And obviously, as we saw, Anthony Richardson's stock went up a lot. Um, In that time, also, the Panthers traded up for the first pick. So before we actually dive into any of the combine stuff, what is your opinion on that? And how did the Colts really combat that? Yeah, so I watched the combine. I, I mean... I do that every year, but I I paid a lot of attention to the QBs this year. Um, so I essentially watch mainly CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson because Bryce Young didn't participate. Right. But um, I mean, I really liked what I saw from CJ Stroud. I mean, he said during the interviews in the combine process that he's a a ball placement specialist, and I'm like, okay, I mean. Of course, you're going to say that. But after I watched he, the drills, he really is. I mean, it's. I mean, he doesn't have any pressure. He doesn't have any equipment, of, uh, of course. But he really has a lot a great accuracy. I mean, has a great arm. And I really like what I saw from him. But sadly, I don't think he's an option anymore. Because as you said, the, the Panthers traded up for the first pick. And I really think he's going to go first overall. So there's that. And for Anthony Richardson, I mean, we knew he was going to be a combine monster, but I mean, Jesus, he was amazing. He had like a 40 bird jump vertical. Yeah. Uh, it's a record for a QB. Uh, he had like a almost 11 broad jump, which also was a record. I'm not sure. And then he had like a four, four, a four, four, four. Uh, for yard dash, which is like I think the second fastest ever, and I, I'm I'm not sure, but I mean we knew he was going to be amazing. And then what I really wanted to see from him is like the ball placement. Um, uh, what I saw is what everyone's worried about the the accuracy. Uh, I saw he had like a some uh, mistakes when he threw like a an out route, and yeah, I mean it it happens. He, we knew the accuracy wasn't the best on him, but I mean, come on, he's he was a, a one-year starter in in Florida. I mean, there's nothing to worry about if you ask me. Uh, so 
but then I saw, I mean, the favorite drill of everyone on the QBs are like the deep, the deep throw. And he had like, a, I, I'm sure you watched it on Twitter or yeah, in, yeah. in social media, yeah. like a deep throw. He, 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 it was amazing. I mean, he, the ball placement in that throw, it was perfect. So that broke the internet, of course. Uh, but I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Colts because as we said, um, Panthers traded up for the first pick. So they are going to be, um, then Texans had the second world pick. They are going to be, we, we don't know who, who, I mean, I think if the Panthers go, um, I think the Panthers will go Bryce Young, no matter what, if you, if you ask me. You the Panthers um, No, no, the Texans, sorry. Texans. Okay, yeah, because I, I agree. I think they're all in on Young. Yeah, yeah, and the, the issue with him mainly was the size. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it on the last podcast. The size, he's like 5'11", and we thought he was like 190. Uh, he actually bulked up to be 204, if, if I'm not wrong. So that's great for him. Uh, but, of course, there's still an issue that he may be too small to play in the NFL. And, yeah, we've seen players like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray played with on that size. But he they, they were bigger in terms of, uh, of muscularity. Yeah. And... Yeah, but I don't I don't know what's going to happen because the in a perfect world the Panthers traded up to the first pick because they knew that the Texans weren't weren't going to drop to number nine because they wanted a QB. The Colts weren't going to trade that trade down because they wanted a, a QB as well. And maybe the Cardinals didn't want to trade down to number nine because they want the best player available, not not being a QB. So in a perfect world, maybe they will draft um, Anthony Richardson. I, I I don't know. I think they'll go CJ Stroud, but maybe they go Richardson. Then you go with Bryce Young to the Texans. I mean, the Colts need uh, to avoid any mistakes or issues. They need to trade up to number three. Uh, but in a perfect world, they, the Cardinals don't want to drop from three to maybe seven uh, with the Raiders because they want the top player in the draft, not a QB. So maybe they go like Will Anderson and then the Colts have uh, the possibility of going either Stroud or Richardson. So we're going to have to wait and see because I can't imagine if the Colts don't get any of those three and they have to settle, if you wanted to put it like that, with Will Levis. Um, but yeah, I really like what I saw. From them, and I, 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 we just gotta wait and see what's, uh, how does Bryce Young look in the pro day? Because we, as a QB needed team, we still need, we still want to see what was the top, what does he got? Because he may drop to us. So, yeah. And outside of that, I didn't really put a, a lot of attention to the combine because I was so focused on the, on the QBs. Yeah, but I think there are some good players. I think there are some uh, potential good players uh, for the Colts to to get in the in the NFL draft. Yeah, it's a little weird because usually the Colts don't have like a first round pick, and if they do, it's not this high up. So like, I'm usually way more invested in the draft because I'm like looking at like all the second round players and like the steals in the second round, third round, doing way more research. Like this year, I have to really start um, doing my research on the second, third round, and even day three players that. I'm usually pretty good with 
Um, but right now, I really only know about the quarterbacks. I know like Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. I know Ringo, the Colts just had a uh, top 30 visit. I saw you tweeted that um, with the cornerback. I think he's one of the top corners in the draft. I know there's a couple of good receivers. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting how like the whole first round plays out. But for the Colts that pick four, like I know you're talking about settling with Levis or like Richardson, Young, how, how it could play out. It's going to be really weird because there's four quarterbacks. You could really argue that each of them is the top quarterback in the draft. I mean, at one point, the consensus was Bryce Young. I think there was like a little bit of a period of time where people thought like Levis was really good and like they changed their mind. And then like, then it was like, uh, Stroud. Now it's like Richardson. People are like really hyping up because I mean, personally, I want CJ Stroud. Like you said, I think the Panthers traded up pick one to get Stroud. Um, but they're saying that the Panthers might go Richardson. I mean, it's really you don't know what they're gonna do. Like, there's there's not like in prior years where it's like the number one of our pick. You knew it was gonna be Joe Burrow. You knew it was gonna be Trevor Lawrence. You knew it was going to be a Baker Mayfield that year. I'm pretty sure. Like, Andrew Luck. You knew they were taking Andrew Luck. Like, every year there's been like a consensus. This is going to be the number one overall pick, at least when it comes to the quarterback. This year there just isn't. Like You can make the case for any of them, which just makes it so interesting. Um, and, and there was some people, I think I saw a tweet. I don't know the legitimacy of it, but saying it's a really weird situation. But the Panthers, if they find there's a quarterback, there's two quarterbacks that they like or there's multiple quarterbacks that they like, they would trade back, which would be a really interesting scenario. I just don't really see why that's how it's plausible. Like, they trade up with, like, two future first, this year's first, DJ Moore, just to trade back. I, I don't see how that really makes sense at all. Um, but that's a weird possibility. I think as for the Colts goes, um, I think they're either going to stay put and draft either Stroud or Richardson, in all honesty. I think the Cardinals are going to want to stay put at three unless it's the Colts who make a trade with them. Just because I think, like you said, the Cardinals want the best non-QB in the draft, which I, it's probably Will Anderson, if we're being completely honest. Um, yeah. So I really think that the Colts have a good way to move up and just secure like the third best quarterback in the draft, which, I mean, also you can make the point, it's not really necessary because, like I said, all four of those quarterbacks are very similar skill range. Um but I have another question for you, which I really think it's the Colts are pretty set on getting a quarterback. But do you think, as as far as the draft goes, I mean, the Colts are clearing up a lot of cap space. And this is like a really weird situation. Like, it's such a weird offseason for the quarterbacks. I mean, like, Rodgers is going to the um, – there's so many quarterbacks moving around. Like, Rodgers will probably be going to the Jets. Garoppolo to the um, Raiders. Raiders. Carr to the Saints. Donald to the – Nine uh Niners Dalton today to the Panthers. I mean, there's so many really like Heineke to the Falcons, like random moves. Um, and so many teams were um like supposed to be in on Lamar Jackson this offseason. It was gonna be like a big deal. Like, where's Lamar gonna end up? And there's so many teams that are just there's the I haven't seen a report being like these are the teams that are in on Lamar. I've only seen these are the teams that are not in on Lamar, and I haven't seen the Colts on one of those lists yet, which is a little bit weird. Um, because you know quarterback needy team you think at least if the Colts were in they'd specify that but I mean the Colts are usually never on these big names I feel like uh so what would you what would your uh opinion be if the Colts made a move for Lamar and then like maybe traded like or not traded the first first pick but um you know use that first pick to get Will Anderson potentially or Jalen Carter or another uh player that's a non-quarterback yeah so first of all I think this is a bad year for being 
for the Colts. I want to I want to explain you why. The Colts are in a position where they need a QB like ASAP. Yeah. And this means they have the fourth overall pick. And there's a scenario where they can end up with the fourth best QB in the class with the fourth overall pick. So that sucks. I mean, usually if you have that like the, a top five pick, you're locked to have like the top one of the two top two QBs in the NFL draft. But there are so many QB uh, needed teams right now. So it's a weird spot. And I, I, I do think the Colts uh, will, uh, if, if the Cardinals trade, trade down, I think the Colts will move up. I mean, they can't risk not getting a QB. And I mean, Richardson would be so much fun. But on the Lamar topic, uh, the thing is, uh, they have like the, this exclusive franchise tag on him, which yeah. pays him uh, 30, around $33 million uh, this upcoming season. If no one, no other team decides to uh, to match to make an offer to Lamar, so for those who don't know what that exclusive fr- franchise tag work uh, is, basically is okay. The car, uh, the the Ravens put that tag on on Lamar, and Lamar is free to talk with other teams for a potential deal. Uh, if there is a deal by another team, not named the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens have the the right to match that deal. In case they don't do that, um, they would get two first round picks in return. So, uh, if the Colts somehow pull that off, which I doubt it, because after all these QB trades uh, the Colts have done in the past years, I think they are they want their franchise guy uh, in the draft. Uh, they will have to trade that the fourth overall pick. So, I, there's no scenario where where the Colts trade for Lamar Jackson and they somehow get Will Anderson with the fourth overall pick. Um, it will be fun if the Colts traded for Lamar. I mean, uh, with Shane Steichen, it will be like a fun offense, and we saw that with Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I don't think that'll happen. Uh, to be honest, this is like uh, we're in a kind of a rebuild, but not enough for us to have like the first overall pick in 2024 so for those who were saying let's suck this year and then we'll get Caleb Williams next year that won't happen you will have to get the first overall pick because he's going first overall next year yeah but uh I'm, I'm kind of digging the idea of having Anthony Richardson on on the center I mean yeah people are skeptical about it because he he may not be NFL ready um, on day one. And this Colts team is desperate. I mean, we have a lot of talent on this team and people don't are desperate for us to not suck. But, I mean, it will be so much fun. I mean, we struggled with the offensive line last year, but I think uh, with some moves, we could get better. We have JT. Imagine, like, the play action with Anthony Richardson and JT. I mean, who do you cover? Then you have... Paris Campbell, who may return, most probably. And you have two physical wide receivers, and Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. I mean, that offense would be so much fun. So, I mean, I kind of dig the idea. And he's 21 years old. I mean, that's like the main point for me. He's so athletic. He's being compared to Cam Newton. So, that's good. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be too worried about his accuracy issues because he only started for a year in Florida. But that will be so much fun. I mean, I, 
and we gotta wait for like 45 more days until the draft to see what happens it's such an exciting time of the year now like you know the Colts like I'm so I probably said this so many times in this podcast but I'm from New Jersey so like a lot of my friends are Giants and Jets fans and like usually every year it's like they have one of the top five picks and like all they want to talk about is like who they think they're gonna get and I'm just like yeah we have pick 54 so I'm not really like too invested in the top guys but um like it's really interesting to like just like view the draft as a team that's like I, in my lifetime or at least in my fandom I mean the Colts I'd really only know them being really good or like average so like I've really never seen them have a pick this this like high up in the draft since like Andrew Luck when I was like six or seven so Wait, it's Nelson like, in 2018. Oh, 2017, right. Okay, so Nelson, that's yeah, yeah, that's the only time that I've really had a top five, or I think that's pick six, like a top ten pick in my uh in my lifetime as like a big Colts fan, I guess you could say. I, I was still pretty young in 2017. I was 11, so um I mean, yeah, so it's it's weird for me to look at the draft like this, but um I like you said before, I really don't think Lamar would be like a, make a lot of sense for the Colts at all. And like you were saying, like we're gonna suck next year. Probably won't suck as much to get Caleb Williams. I think the biggest thing is like a lot of people in my DMs are complaining, like we just traded Gilmore. Like, like what are we doing? It's like they're not gonna compete next year. Everyone wants to compete. This is the best thing for the team because yeah. every single year we just put like a band aid on like an enormous wound with like signing like a veteran quarterback, and then they don't like fit and they don't do well, and we're just gonna be average. Like if we don't want to be chronically average. These are the steps we need to take. We need to suck a little bit if we don't want to be chronically average. So probably going to suck next year, like, in the simplest terms. Like, we're just going to be bad. I hope people don't overreact and, like, say Steichen's a bad coach. Like, it's going to be a project. We're just going to, um, you know, develop the youth. I think, like, obviously, like, Ryan Kelly is up for trade. Moali Cox is up for trade. I think we'll see some other players – it's going to be really interesting two to three weeks because a lot of longtime Colts and like fan favorites, I think, are going to get traded. I think Kenny Moore might be one of them. Like, he's been putting out like the most cryptic tweets and like on his Instagram stories, putting out like cryptic stuff. So I'm a little bit worried about him. Obviously, he's a veteran fan favorite. Either way, I'd be sad if Kenny goes, even if it's like right for the team. He's just like a player I love and like he's like a staple of the team. So it's yeah, really- he's been so good for the Colts. I mean, he had a very bad year last year, and over the last two games in 2021, he was bad. But he's been a fan favorite, uh, and his story is so inspiring. He was drafted out of Valdosta State. He went to the Patriots practice squad, and then got waived. The Colts grabbed him. He wasn't doing much. I mean, he was playing in 2017 because the Colts were sucking, and out of nowhere, he started playing as like the best slot cornerback in the NFL. But yeah, he's been uh, bad. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a cap casualty this year, but I don't think so after this uh, Stephon Gilmore trade. Uh, because if we trade him or cut him, we will only have Isaiah Rogers and Dallas Flowers as our only two cute uh, cornerbacks. So I wouldn't be surprised. After the Stephon Gilmore trade, uh, if the Colts uh, use a second round pick on a cornerback because it's now a huge need. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's the second biggest need right now after quarterback. So I think they'll do that. And for the Stephon Gilmore trade, 
actually it was kind of funny because I was at work today and I was like reading tweets up. I mean, the Cowboys are going to make a trade for a cornerback. And I was like, okay. And then a few hours later, I was like, I saw a tweet saying like, the Cowboys should trade for either Kenny Moore or Stephon Gilmore. And I was like, okay, I'm going to save up. I'm going to make a template about the news of Stephon Gilmore getting traded just in case. And after I saw that, after I did that, literally three minutes later, the Colts traded Stephon Gilmore to the Cowboys. You know, it was, what was that? I was say for me, it's always the opposite. Like I will be waiting for the news to drop, like especially during times of the year, like between like NFL free agency and like the MLB trade deadline. I'll be like sitting there on my phone, like when's it gonna happen? Like something big's gonna happen, and then like it's all like I, it never happens. Like when I'm ex- I waiting for it, like it's always like when I'm asleep. Like today, for example, I took a nap. Three hours. I wake up. Literally, the first thing I see is Stephon Gilmore traded and Matt Ryan cut, and I was like, like this could have happened any other time. So yeah, a complete opposite situation for me. Yeah, I mean, I was on the phone all day just waiting for if any any news happened. And I don't know, I always feel like I have a hunch because I saw a few weeks ago saying like the Rams weren't going to resign Matt Gay. And I was like, hmm, I don't know why I feel the Colts could make a move on him. And then yesterday, last night, okay, Colts, signed Matt Gay to a four-year, $22.5 million deal. And I was like, what? And then, I mean, it's been a lot of moves. I mean, it's uncommon for the Colts. I mean, I think the last time the Colts were this active in free agency uh, were like was in Ballard's first year, or second year in 2018, uh, where he started signing every single player possibly. But about the Stephon Gilmore trade, I saw a lot of people angry about it. And they were saying, like, what are we doing? Stephon Gilmore gave us two wins last year. He was our best cornerback. And we only got a fifth-round pick. What are we doing? Chris Ballard should be fired. Okay, let's let's calm, everyone. Let's. I'm going to say this. Stephon Gilmore is almost 33 years old. He was on the last year of his contract. He had a cap hit around $10 million. The Colts needed the, the cap space. Stephon Gilmore, I mean, we're kind of rebuilding. Stephon Gilmore wanted to go to a contending team. So as a great player, Stephon Gilmore has been, you have to give him that right of, okay, you want to win a championship? I understand that. We're not going to win one next year. I'm going to give you the liberty of of seeking a, a trade partner. And that's what happened. So the fifth round pick, yeah, like I said, he was in the last year of his contract, $10 million. The next season, he was 33. So, I mean, you, what do you expect? Getting a second-round pick? I mean, Jalen Ramsey got just got traded for a third-round pick. Jalen Ramsey, who is 28. Why would you expect Stephon Gilmore getting traded for anything low, like for a third or or higher pick? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I know we maybe could have gone, got a better return, maybe like a fifth or a sixth. But, I mean... It, it it is what it is, and the Colts needed the cap space, and like, like you said, we're going to probably going to release or trade a few more guys. Ryan Kelly, maybe. Uh, uh, I mean, I think Ryan Kelly is gone. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think all, all these veterans, yeah. like, no need. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're longtime Colts players, but I can't stress it more enough. Like, we're not going to compete next year. We do not need to have veterans like Ryan Kelly on the roster. 
Like they're going to want to compete elsewhere too. We're paying them a lot of money. Really, it's about freeing up money, getting draft picks. And it's not going to like, you're not going to get anything like crazy for Kelly. Obviously it'll probably be a day three pick, but just freeing up the money and just developing the youth. I mean, the offensive line is so young. Um, if you take Kelly out of the picture, at least. And so that's really the most important thing for next season. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, we know Ryan Kelly has regressed over the last couple of seasons. So it, it's the best for him. Maybe he needs a fresh start. Uh, I know he's been like, he's like the last priest. Uh, he last, he's like the oldest, longest tenured player in, in this Colts roster. So it's almost like it has a sentimental value. But it, these are the moves you got to do. And about Moaldi Cox, I mean, He's a good blocker. He's a great blocker. But I think he he needs to go. He's getting paid like maybe four or five million dollars per season. He's already almost 30 already. And I mean, he isn't anything special. He has like one catch per game to maybe two. And there's this always happens. Every single year, there's like this Molly Cox breakout game where he scores yeah. two touchdowns. And then he does nothing for the rest of the season. And it's not really his fault. It gets really weird because, like, it's like the same thing happened to, like, Johnny Woods this year. Like, he would have, like, a big game. And then, like, two or three weeks, like, you forget he existed. And you have another big game. It's like, I don't know. The the way the team was with their, like, they would never have, like, a guy that could center the game around. Like, and I really don't think it's a result of, like, the players, like, not having the skill for it. It's just, like such a weird way of going about like Johnny Woods can have 10 receptions for 110 yards and then the next game like we'll get like two targets like, I didn't have understood it it was the weirdest thing ever like can we at least try to like yeah. make him like a star player yeah of course I mean it, it happened last season I mean with Molly Cox has happened like for a long time after we had Jack Doyle and then Molly Cox came and he was doing good and everyone, everyone was like okay we need to feed Molly Cox and then Jack, Jack Doyle retires and they were like, this is the year for Molly Cox. And then he has this random game where he scores two touchdowns. And they were like, okay, we need to give him the ball more often. But then he disappears. I mean, we didn't use our players correctly, if you ask me. And for Jelani Woods, I think it was he was inconsistent, but not because of him, because the lack of snaps he got uh, last season. He When he played, he was very good against the... I can't remember. I mean, against the Chiefs, he had two touchdowns, and I think against the Steelers, he had almost 100 yards. So the, the talent is there. We just need to use them. And I think uh, Jelani Goats is going to be tight end one coming next season because he he's very fast for his, of his size. He ran like a 4-6-40 at 6-7-2-60. I mean, he's, he's amazing. Uh, but I think Molly Cox is gone, man. With Kylan Granson, he's a great yards after, uh, after the catch guy. Um, but I think we'll add a tight end the, yeah. this year, either free agency or, or the draft, because this year's draft is stacked with talent. I mean, I've never seen something like this. I mean, the talent is there. So I wouldn't be surprised because we usually run a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, I mean, I don't know how the scheme will change with Shane Steichen. But and he's, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but Steichen's very, like, big with the tight ends. I mean, the Eagles are known for having, uh, like, legit tight ends throughout Steichen's time. Yeah, I mean, Steichen was with the Chargers when he was younger, and he maybe, yeah. he may have 
had like a bit of Antonio Gates. I'm not, I'm not sure. He had Gerald Everett. No, no, Gerald no, Everett. I don't think no. Everett. No, because he was with the Eagles back then. Um, with uh, maybe Sackerts for a bit, and yeah. then Dallas Goddard. So they're fans of the tight end. So I think Andy Woods will have a great year. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And the other news that came around, I mean, I was going out of work, and then I'm, I'm like, I saw by Adam Schefter, the uh, the uh, former 49ers pass rusher Samson Ebukam, and then like I accidentally clicked it, and I didn't see who he signed with, and I was like, could it, could it be with the Colts? And then mm-hmm. I saw, okay, the Colts signed Samson Ebukam to a three-year, twenty-seven million dollar year. And I was like, okay, I mean, this is something the fans were pissed because we didn't do any moves, and then we signed Samson Nebukam, and a lot of, there's like a lot. This fan base is divided because they're like, okay, we're playing play almost ten million dollars a year for a guy who has a career year with five sacks. I mean, sacks don't tell the whole story. He had almost like he had like around forty pressures last year. Uh, with the 49ers in a stacked defensive line and he had tackles for loss, he had QB hits. I mean, he could be a great complimentary piece with uh, Pay, Dio Dayingborg, Robert Stewart, DeForest Buckner. I mean, we need pass rush and I think it's a good move. I don't think we're done yet. And about the other move, uh, about Matt Gay, who we already talked about, people were so pissed. When we yes. signed Matt, and I'm like, do you remember what we went through since 2018, maybe, where Alan Binatieri got up in age and he missed a lot of field goals, and in 2020, uh, who we had? Uh, yeah, I think it was still Rodriguez still Binatieri or Blankenship. Yeah, he missed a field goal in in the playoffs, and we lost. And then in 2021, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship missed a lot of games. And he he missed a lot of kicks. Uh, I can't forget about the game against the Ravens where he got his field goal blocked and he missed an extra point. Then this year, the first game, he missed a field goal to uh, in overtime. We tied with the Texans. I mean, do, do people forget how important a good kicker is? I mean, yeah. that guy has like has missed like four field goals over his last two years and he attempted like 64. He made 60 of 64. And he was a pro bowler in 2021. He's been one of the best kickers in the NFL over the past maybe four or five years. So yeah, you're paying a kicker $5.5 million per year, but I mean, that the kicker is your highest scorer every single season. So I think it's a good move. I think maybe people were upset because our first big signing, if you wanted to put it like that, was a kicker, but I mean, it's a great move for me, in my opinion, but what do you think about those two signings? Um, Yeah, I mean, I will say I was happy that we got my gig, it's really important. I thought it was a little anticlimactic, like, I, I couldn't sleep last night. I was like, oh, the Colts signed someone? Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, I was trying to fall asleep when that happened, and like, I have, like, your notifications on for your posts, and like, I saw breaking, and like, all I could see is like a Rams fan. I was so confused. It's like, because like, it's like I'm, it's like nighttime. Like I'm like trying to fall asleep. I'm like squinting at the phone, looking at the graphic. I'm like, is that Matthew Stafford? Like, well, oh no, like this can't be. So like I clicked on it and I was like, okay, that's definitely not Matthew Stafford. 
But yeah, that was um, a little bit anticlimactic, but I do think it's a very big move. I mean, four years, highest paid kicker. I mean, he's very consistent. I think he was on the Colts practice squad in 2020. Like, did you mention that? Um, but yeah, he's what, what, what was that? Did you mention that he was in the Colts practice squad? Uh, for the yeah, first... yeah, he was with the Colts. Practice. I mean, he was in the preseason or in like in the off season with the Colts back in 2020. Yeah, he, he, I think he spent like most of the year with them actually. But yeah, I, I like that move. I also like as you talked about before. The, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce his name right. Ibuka move. Um, I think I, I was looking for a tweet while you were talking because I saw something. So it's from Free Agent Frosty. He's basically a guy who goes underneath Adam Schefter's like tweets and like he'll give like an interesting stat about the player. He says Colts at the trenches. Ibuka set a career high in pressures in 2021 and then reset it uh, this year in 2022 with 43, with the career best pressure rate of 11.8 percent. He was used mostly as a rotational player in San Francisco and added productive 500 to 600 snaps. And, like, he had five sacks this year, or I think five and a half sacks on, like, a stack defensive line. Um, and he's been improving every single year. And I think one thing, another thing I saw about him was he's really good at setting the edge in the run game. So I think you're getting a player who just, like, has a lot of potential, not at, like, a, like a crazy price either. So I really like that move. Um, and the other move I don't think we touched on was the Matt Ryan release, which I, I mean, I'm not going to say too much about it. We, everyone knows like kind of the situation, but definitely was a move that needed to happen. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how, what happens with him in the future. And, you know, I like Matt Ryan though. Like good luck to him. He was a good guy. Um, but it's just another one of those uh, rivers Wentz now Ryan moments that, like we're at that point of the year. Yeah, I mean, at least Rivers and Wentz had like good games. And I mean, Matt Ryan had one good game against the Jaguars, and that's it. And yeah. after that, it was horrible. But yeah, it was, it had to be done. Uh, we're going to, I saw a tweet uh, a bit ago saying, like, I think, I feel it's, this is the tweet we've seen every single year for, for a while. Like the Colts will enter this season with a new QB for yep. the X amount of season straight. I mean, you know, this is the seventh straight year we will we will enter with a new QB in week one. Uh, so yeah, it's been a mess. That's why we need to grab the QB. But yeah, I mean, it had to be it had to get done. Uh, we free up a lot of cap space. We get we free up like seventeen million while we take a eighteen million cap hit. Uh, I think the Colts were waiting to see. If Matt Ryan was going to retire, because if he would have done that, the Colts would have freed up uh, around thirty million dollars, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, but that didn't happen. At least we free up a lot of money, and I think we we still can make more moves. Uh, we as we were talking about the offensive line, yeah, we talked about it. I think uh, last uh, episode, Isaac Selmalo, the former yep, lineman. It just makes too much sense for the Colts not to pay him. I mean, he's 29, so yeah, he's getting a bit there, a bit in age. But if you sign him for a two, three million dollar, uh, two, three year deal, around ten million dollars per year, I think that's a pretty nice uh, uh, deal for the Colts who have a huge need at the right guard position. Yeah. And 
After that, you're pretty much set. I mean, you have Braden Smith, right tackle, so Milo, hypothetically, uh, right guard, Ryan Kelly is a question mark. I think we'll have a new center. I and I right. think it's, yeah, and I think it's important for a, a rookie QB to have like that rapport with uh, a, a center. I mean, it doesn't yeah. make sense to have a QB, uh, QB and then have a center and then trade him or cut him a year after. Just start over there. And Graham Nelson, of course, on the left side. And then Bernard Ryman, who played well at the end of the season. I think yeah. he's got a lot of potential uh, on that side. Uh, I, I would be surprised if the Colts bring some competition. I think they will. But, yeah, I mean, Somalo just makes too much sense. I and mean, he has the connection with Steichen back in Philly. So, yeah, I mean, we still can make some moves. And, yeah, of course, cornerback is important. I actually was... Uh, reading who are one of the best available cornerbacks left in free agency and I mean maybe Isaiah Oliver former Falcons cornerback could be like a one year band-aid uh, but yeah we we're gonna need them there yeah um, I, I was gonna write that I was gonna have that uh, brought up because I, I, I made a little bit of a list of things I think the coach should do so before I go through that list before we start this interview here um I saw two rumors today. I think one of them was from Joel Erickson and the other was from Evan Massey. Um, one of them was the Erickson one was the Colts could bring in Marcus Mariota, which would be like something that like I feel like people have been talking about for the longest time ever. And the other was, which is from Evan Massey, was the Colts were in the mix for Adam Thielen, which would be very interesting. Doubt it. Doubt it happens. I mean, Thielen said he wanted to go to a contender. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's visiting visiting Panthers, so that doesn't make too much sense. But I mean, the Panthers have a good future. If they have a good QB, I think they can make some noise. So yeah, I mean, I don't think that happens. Why would you bring a thirty-three year old? And uh, I agree. Pittman, Pierce, and Campbell. Yeah, I was gonna say he made more sense for the Giants. And then as for the other things, here's gonna be like a little preview of what a mock draft for me would look like. Um, because I think one of these next episodes we have to do a mock draft. So I was thinking about like as you were like we were discussing how to go about the off season. So I think Simolu makes sense for a signing, like you said, probably pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, Rocky Sin, I seen been thrown around like that'd be good because he's still young. Obviously, was with the Colts for a while. Um, would be awesome to have him back and add with him Rogers and Kenny Moore in the cornerbacks uh, room. I said maybe uh, signing a young safety. I said Ronnie Harrison. I think he's like 25 years old, but he's like already bounced around the league. I thought he was way older, but I saw he was only 25. He could be a depth piece behind Blackman and Ronnie Thomas uh, this this coming year just because Ronnie McLeod's a free agent. And before we start this interview, I think we got a couple more minutes before he comes on. So here's how I would go about the draft before really quickly. Speed run. Draft a quarterback, obviously, in the first round. Trade back, get a receiver in a corner. And then I think with like the later round picks, you have to address linebacker, interior offensive line, and tight end. And that's assuming you trade Malawi Cox and Ryan Kelly. You need to replace like a tight end three and uh, like a depth interior lineman, assuming you start Pinter at center this year and sign Simalu. Yeah, I mean, that's more or less how, we, how we've got to go. <laughs> All right. I think Moss is going to be joining here any second. So uh, let's get ready for that. Okay, let's do it. 
So now we're going to move on to our interview with Colts running back, Zach Moss. Uh, how are you doing today, Zach? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Anyways, so let's get right to it. Um, you know, you were in Buffalo uh, at the beginning of last year, and you got traded over to the Colts, I believe, for Naheem Hines and I think a pick. Uh, and it was a little bit of a rough time for the Colts, obviously coming from a different culture in Buffalo at the time. Uh, late in the season, you were a bright spot for this team. What was your mentality like coming to the Colts? Um, my mentality, man, I mean, when I got traded over, I didn't know much about what was going on over at the Colts. Um, I mean, I, I didn't know anything at all, really. Um, knew it was a good team just from previous times that, you know, we played those guys uh, in Buffalo, I think every single time. Um, so I knew it was a good team and they had some good players and things of that nature, um, but didn't know, you know, all the stuff about with the coaching and the um, some players and all the type of stuff that was going on. So, you know, for me, my mentality was just to come in and try to help this team win games um, and just try to adapt and figure out this whole new landscape that I'm in. Obviously, never been traded before. So one day it's this and then the next day it's something totally different. Um, so my Tuesday and my Wednesday looked totally different that week. Um, so that was my mindset to trying to, you know, come in and just learn and try to be one of the guys and just learn, you know, what's going on with the team and everything. And, you know, once I got there, that's kind of when I learned a lot of this stuff and saw a lot of this stuff and, you know, saw a totally different side of things that I was accustomed to uh, from my time in Buffalo. Yeah. I just want to say, like, watching you play late in the season, you're like absolute dog, like running down like on the goal line, just like running over people. It's like it was really like a fun part of the year to just watch, like, you know, the team was had like four wins at the time. And just being able to watch you like just like bulldoze your way into the end zone for first downs, it was at least made me happy to watch that. <laughs> so <Appreciate it. laughs> moving on, what was it like for you getting acclimated in Indianapolis? Like which players or coaches helped you feel welcome here and get accustomed to a different culture, city, and surroundings? Uh, I mean, really everyone had a, a helping hand in it. I mean, a really good staff, um, even though some of the coaches are gone now, that was on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, but just everybody just was super welcoming, man, more than I ever experienced, uh, even in my time in Buffalo, really. Uh, just from the defensive coaches to the special team guys, to obviously the offensive coaches, to training staff, um, player personnel people, just everyone who had a hand, who wore Whereas the horseshoe um, that was in the building was super helpful um, and made the transition for me and my wife super easy. Um, so, I mean, even, I mean, and the players were just great as well. Like, obviously, you know, the first group of guys that I naturally uh, hit it off with would obviously be the running back group. Um, and all those guys were super good and super dope to be around and uh, happy we got all those guys still this year um, and we get to do it again. So. That's really good to hear. And like one thing for me at this time of the year, like it's such a weird part because you have guys getting released and traded and stuff. And, you know, there's definitely a business aspect to it from my outside perspective, looking in, I'm sure you could probably relate to this a little bit. It's mm -hmm. so like sad seeing certain players go, you know, yeah. do you understand like the business side and like, obviously Gilmore got traded yesterday, but you have like fan favorites that like you're seeing reports, like they might be on their way out as a fan of this team. Like it's just like a rough point to see. And like, especially for the Colts, cause their locker room was something that they valued so much in past years. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've like, you know, you're, you're part of it. So 
you hear Chris Bauer talk about like building a culture. And when Frank Reich was with the coach, that was a really big focal point of the team is building a good culture here. So it's like watching all these players that, I mean, they're just such easy players to get along with and just like love. Yeah. You know, it was just really sad, like for me as a fan. So on to the next question. So what is it like with the new coaching staff in town? Like, have you gotten to speak with Coach Steichen and the new position coaches yet? And what has changed most from last year? I've gotten a chance to speak to Coach uh, and a few of the other guys who he's added to the staff, um, Coach Cooter and my running back coach and things like that. I've got a chance to speak with them very shortly. Um, I, I mean, I'm not in Indy right now, so uh, I don't. I can't tell you exactly what has yeah. changed um, from everything I know that these guys are really good, obviously, right? They wouldn't be getting the job um, and things of that nature. Um, so, I mean, from just, I mean, I'm really just super excited to get out there with them, um, learn from them, and obviously the experience that they have from, you know, push like in uh, being in the Super Bowl um, and then being around that team and helping that team get to where they got to. Um, and obviously he's going to be a, we're going to have a young quarterback um, real soon here during the draft process or whatever. So having someone like that who, you know, I think always think the best coaches are the guys who are able to teach players. Um, you know, a lot of players in this league were already talented, gifted, and all the other things. That's kind of why you get to where you are. Um, the teaching is sometimes what helps you stay here along with those tools. So um, I'm just ready to get there and, you know, be able to be, taught by these guys and, and learn as much as I can and then go out there and, uh, you know, put it on the field. Yeah. And you see it a lot in the league, like, you know, like a coach from one team goes to another and then a bunch of free agent players will follow that coach. So I feel like a lot of fans know the impact of like a head coach, the offense and defensive coordinators when it comes to game planning and play calling. I mm -hmm. feel like something that goes under the radar amongst fans and like acknowledging it is position coaches. So you're a part of it. You're there with the running backs coach every day. The wide receivers there with the wide receivers coach every day. What impact or role do they have uh, on the coaching staff? They have a big impact. I think they have a bigger impact than an OC or a DC to some degree because Obviously, the offensive coordinator or the DC isn't in those rooms 24-7 unless, uh, you know, he, he had a previous stint, right, to say, let's say ROC was my running back, was a running back coach uh, before he became an offensive coordinator. Then he would probably naturally want to be attached to that room, and then he'll probably be in there more often. Um, but th those position coaches play a big role, man. They are the guys that talk to us the most relaying the messages to us the most um that's what we learn everything from from their teaching and then you know we get to go out there and do uh those things and ocs dcs head coaches they pass all of those things down to those guys and those guys get it to us because that's who we're around the most yeah. like from from camp otas just being in the meeting room you're you're in the meeting room more than you're on the field um probably throughout the duration of the year um so people you put in those rooms with guys that are also in those rooms are very, very important. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that these guys, they, they go around and make sure they pick high character guys, guys that are great teachers um, and know how to teach to every type of guy. That way, you know, the playbook is installed correctly and, you know, we are able to get the most out of that playbook. Yeah. And so this actually is a 
really good question for you because you went from again like one team to another in the span of a week. So at the NFL level, like what is it like learning a new, completely new playbook? I mean, because I've I've played high school, I joined my team my sophomore year, so I just had to pick up the playbook like pretty quickly. And one thing I talk about a lot with like people like friends and family who like had never actually played on a football team is like how complex it really is. Like you see like the running back hit the ball and run up the middle. There's a lot more going on than just like giving the ball and run up the middle and like hope he gets a couple yards. There's a lot of blocking schemes and like reads the running backs have to make. Um, so in your situation, like what is it like? How many different concepts and like code terms do you have to learn just coming to a new team in like a one week? Uh it's 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 definitely different. It's uh it's not easy. Um you can find some similarities in it. Um speaking on my position, being a running back. For the most part, all of the runs technically are the same um, across the league, um, and they've kind of always been that that way throughout even college, right? An inside zone, for the most part, is going to be an inside zone, um, or a gap scheme is going to be, to some degree, you probably ran this gap scheme to some uh, extent of the play, um, and so on, but, uh, you know, it's just different nuances, different ways they teach it. It could be footwork. It could be um where your eye where they want your eyes to be at um you know who you're reading you might read the front side the back side the tackle um all those little different things um but the wordage is probably the biggest thing <laughs> when I got to Indy from Buffalo uh some of the verbiage was the same when it came to some of the run plays so it was easy for me to eliminate having to learn that play right if I heard uh X-Man, right? Because sometimes you use these code words and things like that instead of using the whole play. If I heard X-Man and I'm like, okay, this is the same play we had in Buffalo, I could eliminate that from my process of having to learn all these new plays, right? But I had to learn the past plays, which were different, um, you know, different routes, same routes that I was used to in Buffalo was called a different word. Um, all this type of different things and you know everyone has a different way of doing everything just that's his life um, so you know from that standpoint it was hard to learn that because you're literally you're a little past the middle of the season once you you know when I got there so no one's going to stop put the full brakes on for you to just catch up and try to learn everything from training camp to now um, but you know the coaches did a great job of just you know putting, giving me exactly what I needed to know. Um, and, you know, I think just because I, I love the game and I, I understand the game to some, uh, to some degree, retaining it wasn't hard either. Once I was able to do it a few times, you know, I was able to get the plays and things like that. And um, especially after the JT got hurt and I ended up starting those last four or five games or whatever it was um, after the Vikings game, you know, just repping it and then doing, taking the number one reps, right? Versus watching JT do it and then trying to go and do it. Then it was just me doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. I was able to get a better understanding of it and things like like that. Um, but so with all that being said, it's going to be different this time again with Coach Lycan coming in and having to learn that, that playbook and learning what they like. And um, I'm sure... They'll probably try and keep some of the verbiage the same. Um, I went through an offensive coordinator change in Buffalo. Um, so, 
I've, I've been through changes in the offense every time I've played football. Doesn't matter really what level, high school, college. Um, now NFL had different OCs, had to learn different playbooks pretty fast. Um, so I think I'm, you know, challenged enough in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'm from my perspective, like I can't imagine having to like, I don't know, like have a completely new coaching staff come in and like different words. I mean, for us, we spend the whole, I mean, year basically leading up mm-hmm. to the games, just like learning like what the code words are and like what we're doing here. So that brings me to my next question, which is um, what would you say are the biggest differences in skill or how the game goes in high school, college, and the NFL? Uh, I always try to, I don't know, to me, this is simple. Um, and I always try to use this, uh, this way to break it down when people ask me this question, um, high school, you know, I'll start from NFL, from NFL, everyone's talented. There's no, there's no talent drop off, right? Like people used to say, you know, even before I got in the league, uh, the Browns were historically bad for a while, for, for a long time. And it wasn't because of talent necessarily, right? It was because of a whole lot of other things that kind of went on. Um, you know, if you're a third string quarterback in this league, you probably were a starter in college. You probably were the Gatorade player of the year in your state, right? Or all American in college and, you know, all these different things. Um, so it's never about the talent that is so crazy in the league. It's just everyone's super talented. Um, then you go down to college. College, it's 11 guys on the field on the offensive side of the ball. So if you play offense and it's 11 guys, maybe three or four of you may go to the league. So that tells you right there. So usually if you're going against a defense, maybe it's only two or three guys on that defense that is actually can play in the league. And in high school, usually it's about maybe one one or two guys that can actually go to college, right, to a Division One school and play for a while, not, you know, get there and then kind of fizzle out, but guys that stick. Um, so that's how I try to use it. I always say NFL is 22 guys on the field at one time, ballers. College is probably about seven, eight guys on the field out of 22. And then high school is probably about – two or three out of 22 that stick, right? Everyone's talented in some degree, but the ones that stick are able to go to the league and play X amount of years. Um, you know, those that's how I always try to break it up. Um, just depends on what you where, where you're at, where you're from. Obviously, I'm from Miami, so I was able to go against guys um, almost every, every week in high school football uh, and then seven on seven things and of that nature. Uh, and see guys who are going to be in the league, most likely, right? Uh, Jerry Judy, Asante Samuel Jr., um, Benjamin Victor, Tyler Huntley. Uh, it's so many guys, man. Um, literally, uh, <laughs> that, you know, Elijah Moore, uh, just a ton of people from, from where I'm from. So I saw it consistently. Um, and it's not like that everywhere. But, uh, you know, like, like I said, though, that's kind of how I, you know, separated is usually like that. That's the biggest, biggest thing, um, you know, and then speed of the game is, is different as well. Um, 
but that's because everybody's more is is smart, right? You don't get to this level if, if you're not a smart player, right? Um, guys study in high school. You don't really have to study. You're just physically more gifted than everyone. So they can't play at your speed naturally, right? College. If you study in college, then you see those guys. That's when guys do a lot of different things that a lot of guys don't do, right? You'll have some really good, solid college ball players that you'll come across and you'll ask them, have you ever watched film? And they'll probably be like, not really, right? Or they've done it just with the coaches or if the coach calls you in. And those guys would be really good and they'll still probably have a chance to go to the league. But the ones who make those impacts, the ones, the guys that you remember from colleges are probably watched a little bit of tape because that's it separates you, right? And then when you get to the league, if you're not watching film in this league, it's going to be hard to separate yourself from so many of these talented guys because you're going against the best of the best every single week. doesn't matter what's on the logo. doesn't matter the record. Um, you can lose any week, any single week. You can lose the mighty record. You can be 0-12 and you're going to beat a 12-0 team. It's not college, right, where you're playing Ohio, you're Ohio State and you're playing – uh, a lower school right and 80% of the people say you're probably going to win it's always it's, it's so different because the talent level and guys are so much smarter and guys put so much more into it on this level to help give themselves separation from the next guys because you know if you can give yourself if you can be more if you got smart your opponent right and that's just anything else in life right if you're in a fight you kind of want to know what your opponent likes to do what he's thinking about doing when he likes to do it. And, you know, the great ones, they don't just study the players that they're playing against. They also study the coaches, right? The, the defensive coordinator, if I'm on offense, okay, when is this defensive coordinator going to call this blitz? Or when it, where does he like to call this blitz? In the red zone, in the middle of the field? You know, all these small little nuances that not, that's continuously go over. And, you know, that's why we spend – even more time in the meeting rooms in the NFL versus on the field, because on the field, everyone can do it. You can roll out of bed and be one of the best of the best, but it's the other things that are going to help you and help you win games in this league is what you do in the meeting room, what you get out of the meeting room. Yeah. And I would argue like the, probably the most important things is film study and athleticism, like the combination of the two, just having those two, like intangibles is really what could like you know the, your play and your skill could you could teach but just having the film study having the intangible uh, having the athleticism is really like the baseline to the success for my team I would we won the state championship this year and we're not like the most skilled team like you know you put up stack us up against some other teams in our area I'm in North Jersey and you know our players don't really necessarily stack up well like some some of our rival teams but yeah, really yeah. our coaches and like their attention to detail. And I mean, we basically know what the other team is running every single play and it just matters so much. And the athleticism factor, I would say is just like when a high school kid is going to try to, you know, make it to a college roster or at a college to an NFL roster. I think the one thing that coaches value the most is athleticism, especially the Colts, like the trends mm. uh, of Chris Bauer, like drafting wise, there's always these like there's like a measurement, the relative athletic something. I don't know what the last letter is, 
but Chris Broward always drafts super highly, like players who score really well. I know Jelani Woods was like the best uh, tight end of all time uh, in that score, and the Colts drafted him. The Colts actually had the best uh, score on that last year in the entire draft. And I would say like the most important thing is just having the, you know, us being six foot seven offensive tackle. Like you could be maybe not the greatest skill, but if you have that frame and you have the athleticism, like you could teach the skill. So I would say, I would argue like the film study and athleticism is the biggest thing, uh, like moving from the next level. Uh, so on to the next question, I think a lot of NFL players, they would say like the most fun I've ever had playing football was in high school. And, you know, I can understand why, like, you know, you're around your friends and it's just like, you're playing. It's like, I don't want to say it's carefree, but it's not like it's your job. Like you're not getting paid to do this. Like, you know, you're just having fun. So like, I have like a group chat with my high school team. And, you know, we talk about like, oh, the rival team did this. Like we're going to win this week, whatever, like where we're hanging out. What is like an NFL group chat like with like, you know, your running back room maybe, or like, do you have like a whole team group chat, offense group chat? Like, what is that like? Yeah, it's different everywhere. Um, in Buffalo, I can speak more about Buffalo more just because uh, Indy, I was winning there for like a month and a half. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're when you're losing, every, all that type of stuff kind of goes out the window a little bit. Um, but my time in Buffalo, um, you know, we were, we were winning a lot and they still are. Um, but, you know, we had group chats where, um, you know, depending on what time we played on a Sunday, uh, we will always have something planned. If it was, uh, you know, dinner after the games, um, go over to someone's house after the game, they'll have food, order food or uh, if it's a fight on, you know, all these type of different things, you know, it's 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 kind of the same, man. I think it's just depending on where you go. Um, and, you know, just like in high school, uh, it's a family atmosphere, right? And that's what the coaches want. That's what the players want. And that's what's preached. You'll hear that forever um, because it really does help you win um, games. Um, it's used in every type of uh, thing that you have to have a group of people. You wanted it to be a close-knit family group where you bond and spend time together and kind of learn about each other and things like that. So, you know, we have we have those same things, man, because, you know, if we're in the league, NFL, whatever, but it's, it's not that much different from everyone else, which I always tell people uh, when it comes to life, you know, we like to do small things, big things <laughs> as well. Uh, so, yeah, we, we definitely have group chats and where we, you know, hang out and do things and just hang out, top golf, um, go there, take trips with each other, um, all the different type of things, hang out in off season and everything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask because Colts were featured on Hard Knocks last season, not mm. like the past season, but the one before that. And, you know, they go through like the locker room and, our team did like team bonding things. Like well, we went bowling, like the whole team and the coaches go. So like, do you guys have like whole team things that you guys just do like activities in Buffalo or Indianapolis? I mean, obviously you only hear for a month, like you said, but. uh, Not as, not as much. Um, I think more so because guys have families, guys have wives, kids uh, and all those different things. So they have different obligations that coaches honor and respect Uh just like coaches do as well, right? They have kids and families and all that type of stuff. So I think that stuff takes precedent over a lot of the other team bonding things. Now in training camp, 
since we're away from our families, we'll have more time to do things together, right? Uh, Buffalo and training camp, we went out to uh, ice cream shop, right? Uh, hung out up there, got ice cream. Uh, we cut out one of the practices, like one of the, the night practices in training camp. And instead, when I got ice cream, right, it's just a, it's a good way to, you know, continue to build that that family type atmosphere with small little gestures like that. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It's just those small little gestures uh, that players like to see and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, in college, definitely we have movie nights all the time, movie nights before every game. Um, so every Friday night, we'll have a movie night, uh, away game or home or home game, didn't matter. Um, and it was a lot of ton of other things that you can do in college because uh, usually guys don't have uh, kids or, or wives at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was actually reminds me because in the season, you know, it's pretty like rough because it's week to week. It's different than like basketball or baseball where it's like game to game, game, you know, day off. It's week to week. It's game, day off, practice, practice. So how do you make time to go see your family, friends during the season when you're in Indianapolis or Buffalo, not in Miami where maybe your family is staying? Like, how do you make time and just like, you know, balance the tail? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you learn to, to deal with it and manage the time. Uh, you know, every time we were in Buffalo, we would play the Dolphins twice a year. Um, so we always got, I always got a chance to go back home and play in front of my family and things of that nature. So I always saw them uh, in the middle. I mean, that was early in the year, usually like the second, third game of the season, really. Um, so I would always see them, um, you know, the night before the game, before the game, after the game, uh, things of that nature. So that was always cool. Um, that's something I'll, I'll definitely miss being in, uh, the AFC East where I got a chance to go. I knew I was going home at least one time a year. Um, obviously our schedule is a little bit different, um, or whatever, but who knows like my family might even drive up to Jacksonville cause it's not yeah, that far. I was going to mention that. Uh, we played the Jags and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they come out, you, you try to schedule out times where they come out and, you know, spend time, you know, now, you know, once you're married, like me, you know, I spend more time with my wife than anything, um, which is, you know, my family now, my new family, which I'm starting um, and everything like that. So, but, you know, my mom, brother, sisters, all that type of stuff, you know, they can fly out to Indy or when we're in Buffalo, have, uh, we had Christmas one year together in Buffalo, um, and things like that. So you try to schedule out times where they can come visit you in the city you're at come to a game or just hang out or uh bye weeks is another time where you get a week off and you know most people um usually go home to their off to the offseason home and they just don't do anything with anyone um or they'll go somewhere else and things like that but that's also a time where you can hang out with your family and uh things of that nature as well would you say like most players live in like like after the Colts, like in Indianapolis, like their families go to school in Indianapolis, or do most of them raise their families back in like a their their hometown? Uh, it's a it's a mix. Um, I would assume most guys who have kids and their wives live with them. Uh, in this in in the season, the kids go to you know the schools that are available there. Um, but then I also know guys who are married or aren't married. Uh 
but they have a significant other with kids and that person stays back uh, from wherever they're from, right? Say they're from Miami, their significant other stays back in Miami. They may have a job, they may not have a job or whatever, which also entails them staying back. And then the kids just go to school there and they'll fly up um, whenever they can to see um, each other and things of that nature. So it varies. It kind of just depends on the person and what they agree on. I know, you know, that's just kind of what people do. It's, it's, it varies, though. So this is a little bit different question. I'm just curious, like, what is the football culture like in Miami? Because I know Florida is like football, like state, and New Jersey is a little bit different because New Jersey, it's like the public schools are really small and like it's very like small town kind of like deal. But I see, like, so, like, I know, like, destroying you do like, the YouTube videos. I don't know if you know what it is, but he, like, covers, like, the goes to the games, and he'd be in Florida most of the time. And, like, it looked, like, electric. So I just wanted, like, what's that like playing and stuff like that and just being around that atmosphere? It's it's crazy, and it's it's, it's grown even more uh, when I was growing up in it. Uh, you know, so many legends from down there, right? Like, Frank Gore um, played for the Colts. Edwin James played for the Colts. Um, so those are guys that I grew up watching all the time, right? Um, and, you know, even when I was in high school, middle school, Little League football, um, you know, you grew up in it. Um, like football and track is like the two main things that people do uh, in South Florida. I wouldn't say all of Florida. Um, it's kind of like we have a I don't know, it's like SoCal and NorCal, how they kind of split it. Um, and people from NorCal don't like to be associated with people from SoCal and vice versa. So we kind of have that same thing. So I don't all, I don't say I'm from Florida. I say I'm from Miami or uh, South Florida because um, we it's a little different. Um, and that's what is what we believe. Um, but even when I was growing up down there, man, it was it was a different time. It was different everything and now it's even more um i think people get to learn about it even more just because so many more social media things are happening now right and it's it's being welcomed more into the schools and um they're marketing it more the branding of it more all type of little things that are happening that um 10 years ago when i was in high school middle school wasn't happening um but everyone knew but now everyone like knows. Like you can go on YouTube and really type in um, whatever's happening in South Florida football and really see it. Like you said, the guy destroying um, and all these other guys who do it and everything like that. And they got pages that just cover South Florida football, and that's it. Um, so like it's 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 growing even more. The talent just it's 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 really crazy to see just the talent overall in every sport around the world really continually getting better and better. I mean, the draft just showed it, right? You got even more guys, big guys running super fast, doing supernatural things at their size that we've never seen people do before. So um I think sports is in a is in a good in a good place right now. Yeah, I would agree. And like I've I've been a sports fan. Obviously I'm only 16 years old. So it's been pretty recent where I've really started to understand sports. But at least growing up and definitely before, like, you know, I was alive, I would say there's more of like a disconnect between like fans and the players. Like this wouldn't be possible without the Internet, th this interview yeah. itself. Like 
people didn't really know anything about the players. They kind of played football. You saw them play football, and then you didn't really know they existed after that. Now you kind of have like social media where like you know I can interact with you on Instagram. I DM'd you, and now we're here. I mean, like it's very different because nowadays, like you know that player in the draft. You could be watching him since like high school. I think basketball is definitely like more so with this. Like people were talking about like Zion Williamson going to like number one overall when that guy was like a senior in high school. Like he was my age. People were like, this guy's going number one overall in like two years. And like right now it's like yeah. Ronnie James and stuff, like basketball-wise and like football-wise, like everyone knows these players coming through the draft and like even coming through high school and college, which is like so cool how it's being marketed nowadays. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's dope to see. Um, social media is definitely allowing so many more people to learn more about athletes, learn more about other people in general. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a great way for athletes and everybody like that to also give back in another way. Um, it's being available, taking a little time uh, out of your day to, you know, just chat, talk, do whatever, hang out. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's good to see. Yeah. And it's perfect. So, I mean, got you on here, got to talk to you, which was awesome. Um, we were on here for 40 minutes. I told you it'd only be 20 minutes, so I'm not going to keep you on here too much longer. Um, I asked all my questions. Is there anything else you wanted to say or add, talk about uh, before we hop off of here? Uh, I mean, I'll, I do a podcast as well. Okay. Uh, something I started maybe about two years ago now. Um, so that's probably, probably why I didn't mind going over the time because I didn't even realize it myself. Um, but uh just want to drop my 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 podcast show, yeah. Most Show. Uh, one, you can find us on Apple Pod, YouTube, Spotify, um, Instagram as well. Um, so like, give us a follow. Uh, new episodes, new everything coming out real soon. We do. We talk about everything. Um, sports, uh, whatever's going on in the world, hot topics, whatever goes on, we like to talk about and we want to do something where we interact with the fans. And, you know, like I said, it's another way to give back and just to hear more about what fans think about certain things um, and just the whole entire uh, thing about everybody. That's good to hear. That's awesome. I didn't even know you had a podcast yourself. So wait, what's it called again? Can you say that again? Mosmo Show One. Got you. I'm going to go uh, check out on Spotify. That's my main uh, platform. So, yeah. So thank you for coming on today. Um, that was awesome being able to talk to you and by the way you're gonna have to help me here so now you have a podcast because I'm terrible at the outros it takes me <laughs> so I was like dreading this the entire time but I'm just gonna say uh, thank you guys for listening thank you for coming on and you're listening to the Coach Corner Podcast yes sir touchdown on the road to atonement and McAfee bangs him out of bounds oh, he's got it Manning's got the wicker Peyton Manning has captured.